1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply.
0: accountability is not an easy subject for a lot of people
1: why do i feel like a lot of people is kadeen i ain't even say that see that's the problem accountability or am i blaming myself dead ass ass. hey i'm kadeen
0: and i'm deval
1: and we're the ellises
0: You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys.
1: And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy.
0: Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow.
1: (laughs) Oh, and one more important thing to mention, we're married.
0: Yes, sir, we Mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics.
1: Things most folks don't want to talk
0: about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We about <laughs> to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level.
1: Dead Deadass starts right now.
0: I'm going to bring us back to a couple of weeks ago. All right? Kadeen and I have been very diligent about not getting COVID, not spreading COVID, very, very diligent about this, right? We had visitors over. Long story short, someone brought COVID into the crib. They brought COVID. I was pissed. The first person to test positive for COVID was Jackson. And if you guys listen to us, you know Jackson is a very sensitive, empathetic child. So I take Jackson to the doctor, he tests positive. I test negative. So he finds out that he's the only one so far in the family that has COVID instantly. He's crying. You know, I can't believe I got COVID. Everybody's going to be mad at me. I got COVID. And I'm trying to talk him off the ledge because I'm like, you know, you you 10. Things happen. That's what the time he was nine. So he's like, I just don't want to die. I don't. And he's worried about everything you see because he's been watching the news as well. People are dying of COVID. So he's just nervous. So I'm like, listen. No, you know, everything's going to be fine. He's like, mommy's going to be mad because now we can't go to Jamaica. We can't do this. We can't do that. And I'm like, hey, hey, relax. Mommy's not going to be upset. Everybody's going to be fine. We invited somebody by the house. They had COVID. There was no reason for you to have it. So finally he stops crying. We get to the house. We open the door. Kay goes, so I said, Jackson has COVID. The first thing that come out of Kay's mouth is You see all them times I tell you, stop putting your hands in your mouth and putting your hands in your eyes. Jackson immediately looks at me. You didn't didn't say it like that?
1: No, I didn't. But go ahead. I'll let you finish your story.
0: No. Show them how you said it. Tell them how you said it.
1: I said when y'all first came in the door, oh, my God, I wonder if it was the time I took him to the Coke factory because he was touching his eyes and his face a lot. And I was like, Jackson, do you remember when I was telling you to stop touching your eyes and your face? I'm wondering if that was it because me—that's how you said I it? was trying to do. Dedu- yeah, I was. I was not. I was not yelling at him or berating him at that point. The berating happened when DeVal started yelling at me, and then I was yelling at him. But go ahead.
0: Anyway, we walked in. We walked in the house, and kadine said, "Oh my God, Jackson." you have covid i wonder if it happened at the coca cola factory i'm so sorry Devel. my son that's that's how she claims she okay, said it okay
1: whatever go ahead tell your story all right
0: so jackson <laughs> immediately looks at me and i see his eyes welling up and i go in dad mode i'm trying to protect my son i'm like yo jackson go upstairs jackson goes upstairs i get mad i lose it okay i Loses was like it. i lose it i'm like why would you instantly go to a place where he feels like he's the reason why you have it? And also, too,
1: I didn't know about the conversations they were having in the car prior to. So
0: Exactly. She yeah. didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm losing it. I'm like, he's an empathetic kid. He's worried about dying. He thinks everyone's going to blame him. And the first thing you do is blame him for getting it, even though someone brought it into our house who was positive. Like, there's no reason to sit here and go over with him how he might have gotten it. Because we know someone who was positive came in the house and we all ended up getting it. So I start losing it. I'm screaming, I'm hollering, screaming, screaming. And Kadeen is just like, yo, don't scream at me. And at this point, I'm like in dad mode trying to protect my son and I'm acting crazy out of character, right? Me and Kadeen ended up going separate ways. She left in the car, was gone for three, four hours, came back. When she came back, I wanted to discuss with her how what we did wasn't good. And the minute I start talking, Kadeen gets pissed and is like, I'm not talking about this and walks away. We end up having a conversation, I think a day later and we saw that everything was fine. I hear Jackson two days later downstairs on his PlayStation, him and Cairo having a discussion. Then I hear him screaming at Cairo, just screaming, screaming, screaming. I say, Jackson, come upstairs. What makes you think? It's okay for you to scream at your brother like that. And he didn't say nothing. I said, hello, I'm asking you a question. And he said, well, you screamed at mommy like that. And at that point, I had to be accountable.
1: Let's play the blame
0: game. game. I I love love you more. More. Let's Let's play the blame blame game game for sure. Let's call out names. Names. I I hate hate you. you. More, let's all our names, names, names.
1: For, for sure.
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is about accountability
1: mm-hmm. or lack thereof, or lack thereof, or lack thereof.
0: Um, knowing when you're wrong to admit fault, or do you deflect mm-hmm. like some people? Mm-hmm. Um, in the story time, we talked about the approach to the door. Kadeem says. Can I? Can I? Go ahead. Go ahead. Because
1: normally with a story, it's like your side and my side. I feel like because I'll be telling his stories and be like a little off sometimes. So prior to knowing what happened in the car, the conversation that he was having with Jackson and Jackson being like on the edge. Um, when they got to the door, I was just surprised that Jackson tested positive first because Jackson had the least interaction with this person that was here. Right. Yes. So for him to be positive first, I'm thinking now where everything that going through my mind is like, where did I go wrong as a mom? And did I ever put him in an environment where he was unsafe, where he may have been exposed? So all these things are going through my head. And naturally as a mom, I will say women, we, I get a little bit more worked up off the bat. Right. So when they get to the doorway, DeVal's just like, yeah, he's positive. And Jackson's like, mom, I have COVID. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm wondering if it's when I took you to the world of hope. Because I said, remember, Jackson, you were touching that machine and I told you not to touch your eye. Like, I'm wondering if that's when it happened. And DeVal was just like, that's when he just blew it. So according to DeVal, he thinks that I was yelling at the top of my lungs. I was not yelling at the top of my lungs at that point. I was just like more frantic, if anything, trying to figure out why did my son test positive when everybody knows I was wearing a mask on the plane before COVID that like, I'm the biggest I germaphobe that. and we've been so hypervigilant and it just made me so annoyed in that moment because I was just like, why would he be the first one to test positive? I should have, or like you should have like somebody who had more contact with the person should have, but the I person was asymptomatic. That. So we didn't know.
0: I understand that. But here's where accountability comes in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kadeen has been told by numerous family members that she snaps at people. Have you not? Yes. Your I brother, have. your sister, your yeah. mom, mm-hmm. the kids, me, Right. When I tell her that she raised her voice to Jackson, her first thing is say, no, I didn't. So many times she says, no, she doesn't, until someone else says, yeah, Kay, you did snap. And she's like, well, I didn't realize. I'm telling you, you snapped to him, and you're sitting here telling me that you didn't. Okay. There's no accountability accountability
1: there. I will be accountable, and I did say that, and I spoke to Jackson after the fact. Okay. And we had a whole discussion. I had a discussion with my son about how I may have reacted to it or how he may have received it. The thing is, in that moment, I don't know if he received it that way, but I think what amplified it, was your reaction to me and that just took things no, i think more over the edge i, that, I, I sat in the car like with that. him
0: for you you'd think that but i sat in the car with him for 30 minutes while he was sobbing crying thinking that he was gonna die mimi was gonna die no, I and everybody's gonna be mad part. so him th- feeling the brunt of you saying remember when i told you not to put your hands in your mouth he was in the car saying people are going to be mad at me for covid Imagine no, I, you I thinking that Me saying that, that That's not gonna happen And the first thing Your mom brings up Is the no, time she you. took you And here's my thing You keep saying "I He always puts his hands In his mouth So then who takes A nine year old To the Coca-Cola factory During a pandemic Where you have to literally Pull the mask down And drink But then you, you Putting it on him There's no accountability there It's not
1: I hear what you're saying And I did admit that that was a fault on my part. What I'm saying was that I feel like things got escalated even more when you were irate and yelling at me at the top of my lungs. So at that yeah, point, I it screaming. made it that much more of have a situation screaming. where I could have just spoken to him directly as my son and had that. <laughs> I shouldn't Granted, have been screaming. I shouldn't have took him out of the house. But also, too, I feel bad. Like How am I going to be balancing life with my children, they've been locked up in a house for like over thing. a year. And this is my
0: thing. So I agree Of with you. course, in
1: that moment, I felt badly. But hold on. Because, hold on. you know what I mean? I'm then blaming myself. Like, how did I expose my child to this? No See? matter how much wipes I walked with, no matter how much hand sanitizer, Lysol spray. I, and it, it was See, to the point where the even point. my friend who I went with laughed at me. And she was like, oh, my God, you're being that mom. Buckadeen, this and is I'm the like, point. And I'm like, I know.
0: But this is the point. Because <laughs> I'm not, scared It's to not blame. You made a choice as a mom, Right. Whatever happens from that choice happens. There's no blame. It's, it's no it, like and and to me that's why when it first happened and when they all got sick, I didn't say, "Well, you took them to the Coca-Cola factory because there's no blame. You made a choice as a mom. You asked me what I thought, what I say. You want to go, take him. There's no blame. If he gets COVID from there, he gets COVID. We got to deal with the consequences. There's no blame at that point." I hear you. But when but okay. what I do think sometimes is you and I don't want to say moms, but look to blame somebody or take on blame when there's no blame to go around. It's just what happens. Like there's no blame. Well, then We took him me- to the Coca-Cola factory. If if he got it from there, I don't think he got it from here. Cause someone with COVID came to our house and right, unbeknownst that's what I was to say. us. I was like, So my thing is since we know that someone from COVID came to our house, it makes no even sense to go there. But to blame him or possibly blame yourself, it's no point in doing that.
1: Well, that's your logic. In that moment, I was frantic. Like you said, as a mom, I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? I should have never took him out the house. And, yes, chances are he probably didn't get it from there. He probably definitely got it because we had somebody <laughs> with COVID in our house. So in, in my mind, I'm, like, thinking so many different things at once that I'm just, like, speaking. I'm like, what is it? What was it? Then I'm just looking to, you know what I mean, That's to blame my point. myself. And then
0: you don't and realize how, how loud you get sometimes. Okay.
1: All right. I feel like this went completely far, far left of what the topic was today. No, because the topic is about
0: accountability, but also proves (laughs) that when you try to be accountable, people get uncomfortable being accountable. Like for me personally, I shouldn't have been screaming that day. I shouldn't. I got emotional because I saw my son. I thought he was going to be hurt and affected emotionally, especially dealing with COVID. Then I started screaming and I was screaming at you because you said what you said to him. So I was screaming. Should I have been screaming at that point? No, I shouldn't have been screaming. And I'm willing to say, I, I, I screamed at you, I shouldn't, I was wrong, I apologize. When Jackson said to me, you scream at mommy, I instantly said to him, you know what, you're right. And I got to be better. They're well, you got to be better. I can't scream at your mother, you can't scream at your brother. So you got to check me and I got to check you. But that's me holding him accountable and holding my account- accountability myself. Mm-hmm. The problem with accountability for most people is the minute someone check them on something they do, you know what they do? They get uncomfortable and deflect. And that's what the whole topic of it today is. You can't be uncomfortable and deflect accountability just because you're the one that has to be accountable. We all have to learn how to be accountable and accept and say, listen, I messed that up because we all human like. You gonna make mistakes. Nobody walks through here perfect. That goes for you, and that goes for me. And if we continue to think that we can be perfect in any relationship, then we are gonna continue to disappoint ourselves. Well, that's I'm fact. not doing that. Like I'm not. I'm gonna make mistakes, especially when it comes to parenting or even communicating with you, because I'm an emotional person. You know what I'm saying? Really,
1: Deval? A little Did bit. I guess that. A little bit. I'm a little
0: emotional. emotional a little bit.
1: Okay, Aries man. Yes, we got a lot of fire signs up in this house too. So that you said, and you be giving it, you
0: be giving it as uh, much yep. as you you think you get it. Yep, you be giving it. Shoot,
1: we have two Aries, two Sagittarius, and Cairo's the only Virgo. Yes, and, <laughs> so and
0: you're the only woman in the house other than Mimi. So the boys be like, like when you come at them, it's different than when I come at them. I right. feel like for them, it's like dad is going to be dad, mm-hmm. but when you come at them, it's like hurt because mm-hmm. like, I watch them when you talk to them right you know what I'm saying even when you're trying to be calm as a mom you have a sternness right that it like rocks them
1: and I think also they have they have a bit of like a uh, they worry that they're going to disappoint I think both of us absolutely and they they worry absolutely. a lot about what we think which is I like that I'm okay with that but I don't have to have to know how to straddle the fence with it I don't want them to fear me but I also want them to have that respect and, and know that man I don't want to disappoint mom and dad so
0: yeah which which I you think know? they need as kids but they also need to to learn how to be accountable yeah because look at look absolutely. at the way we bring them up right look at the way you and I were brought up you the firstborn daughter but you a pageant girl your your dad coddled you a lot well he coddles all of y'all like that's just
1: yeah my dad's just not easygoing, and he's, he's like, yeah he's easy going <laughs> whatever
0: you know if something is wrong he's gonna try and make it easy or fix it or whatever your mom does not coddle you at all no your mom is all about accountability all about it and you see the way for us for for you yeah. and your sister for my
1: sister yeah but mm-hmm. not the
0: same way with your brother
1: mm-hmm.
0: you look at my family my both my parents are accountable me and my brother mm-hmm. when it comes to my sister, not so much mm-hmm. and I can see how we all approach life differently because Based of the way that. we've been right you know what I'm saying right accountable or not accountable,
1: right right and they have made us who we are yeah. <laughs> um and yeah so so accountability let's let's dial it back for people um. You know, I like to pull up definitions or whatnot. So thank you, Tribble, for pulling up a definition. Trouble. The definition of accountability, according to Webster. Mm-hmm. Webster you, Anybody still have A Webster dictionary I got Jackson An actual dictionary set Like the book It's like Look up the word If you're reading And you don't know it That's such a mother I mean, I know gift I He can Google it like, get some
0: a son A Webster's diction- I a dictionary like got, this thick. I
1: definitely got He definitely has it Up in his room Because I was like That way you it's less screen time You don't have to Look it up on Google You can just open Up your well, dictionary The funny thing is thesaurus. The way you
0: gave it to him As if it was like Something great Like she's, I like, was she's so like Jackson excited. look Right so he's excited Right so he's just like What's up and she's just like this is a dictionary and jackson's like
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i was like so it goes from a to z <laughs> <And> <laughs> like,
0: like mad excitement to,
1: because i was that kid back in there i was spelling b champ i was big on vocabulary i still am to this day so he gonna know some words all right then sat <laughs> joints anywho um accountability is the obligation or willingness to accept responsibility for one's action some call it cancel culture which is a big thing now. Um, But the fact is that you don't always need permission to be held accountable for your actions. And Mm -hmm. we, and as we explore the different ways accountability can manifest itself in our lives, whether we're holding ourselves accountable for our own goals or we're holding our loved ones accountable for the harm (laughs) that they've caused, or even as we fight to uphold the system accountable for systemic injustice, Mm We realize that the common thread is that accountability cannot be a one-time thing. It is an ongoing process that results in real, actual, sustainable, tangible change. And if we want to create a better world for generations to come, freaking can be accountable, whether it feels good or not.
0: Can I be honest?
1: It's necessary. Sounds easy, right? Can I be honest? Be honest.
0: I think the world nowadays lacks accountability. Absolutely. I look at the way we raise kids. Right?
1: But everybody gets a trophy.
0: Everybody gets a trophy. You're not allowed to uh punish kids even verbally. Frustrating. Or give them push ups. Those type of punishments are now illegal mm-hmm. with sports. So kids are not held accountable. Yeah. And um p- teachers they're trying to take away grades. Mm-hmm. Now for from for some reason in certain schools you can't grade papers now. Mm-hmm. You can't write with a red pen. Mm-hmm. Cause Cause, I used to
1: look forward to my hundred percent, my 95 percent. Says my the person 98%. who get A's all the time. Yeah, you know, I used to look forward to that because that for me was just like, okay, I've held myself I feel accountable by studying, and there's my reward. There's like a, it was a reward system.
0: But you know what's funny? You but, talked about cancel cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. We've pulled back on the accountability that we give to people, but then want to cancel them for making a mistake, for right. making one mistake. Ex- make that make sense. Make it make sense. F- from the time they're young till adults, we don't want to hold them responsible for nothing. But then if, if we say that they do something wrong, oh, they that's it. How do, how does anyone even learn accountability or redemption if we don't hold them accountable from young? Well, I
1: think we should bring somebody in to talk about it. What you
0: think? I think we should. Too. Somebody wait, wait. who
1: understands and knows this.
0: We definitely will. But I want you to talk a little bit about your upbringing. And <laughs> why you pause like because that?
1: Because I was like, where we going with this? Go ahead. No,
0: I want you to talk a little bit about your upbringing and how your upbringing has helped you or not helped you with accountability.
1: Well, um, I've said before in, in previous podcasts that I come from a family of not a lot of communication. When Mm -hmm. things, you know, you felt a certain kind of way or you were unhappy with something, it was kind of just like, oh, you just kind of deal with it. Or if you were unhappy with something your sibling did or your parent did, it's kind of just like, well, you know, sweep it under the rug and it'll go away. There was we call it the ostrich technique in my family. where Ah. We kind of just kind of duck and just like think that it'll eventually go away. So coming from that. and that environment that did not really encourage communication. Um, and not to say we didn't encourage communication because we were we were silenced. It was just more like it just wasn't encouraged. It's just like, oh, that's how people are. That's how your mom is. That's how your dad is. That's how your brother or sister is. So that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was particularly difficult when I became... Um, But we got into a relationship because you came from the opposite. So that being said, being able to open up, being able to be accountable. I've never had somebody approach me and say, "Kadine, I don't like the way you're doing X, Y, Z, whether it be a sibling or a parent. So I was used to kind of just existing in a space where I did. So y'all didn't critique
0: each other like that? No.
1: No, we just kind of did our best and we were just like, all right, well, you know, so hearing any feedback when we got together, you wanted to have those conversations. You wanted to say, well, Kadeen, you did this wrong. It then required me to then say I did something wrong. Oh, my God. But I thought I was doing my best. Also, oh, your mother, point,
0: oh, your mother critiques. She was just passive aggressive with her critique. She was never direct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like that, you know, um, and there was that, I, w- I wouldn't want to say there wasn't any like real substance to those sort- those situations, but it was very sparse. It was kind of just like, you know, in passing, like, Kadeen, you should do this, or I think you should do that. And just me, you know, listening to my mom, I would try to say, okay, mom, I get it, you know, or just be like, oh, here's my mom being my mom. So not really taking it with any value, but at the same time. You know, then coming <laughs> meeting somebody who was so extra vocal, then it felt like I was re- I was then at a deficit all the time, or I felt like I was at um, I was then inadequate in certain spaces because I'm like, wow, somebody's like critiquing me on how I'm existing, <laughs> you know? I feel you. And it, this it is why was, we argue. I was taken aback. Right? I was taken aback by it because I was like, wow. I felt like it was just being very you're being very nitpicky at certain points. I felt like, damn, I can't do anything right. Um, it was a lot of me feeling like my ego was bruised because here I was thinking I was being a grand girlfriend or a grand wife mm. at that time, only for you to say like, Nasis, you, you're not actually. Mm. Um, so that was just particularly hard for me to, to swallow. And I felt like, you know, I was just being blamed for a lot of things. So for me, I think Blame. there's a very like thin line between how do you be accountable? Um, are you being blamed? And then do you get defensive? Because you always say I get defensive. And for me, it's just like, well, if I arrived at this particular destination, I'm not defending it. I'm just letting you know how I got there and you hate that. So sometimes I don't even know how to exist in a debate or in an argument with you because I feel like, damn, if I can't tell you my mindset or how I got there, then what should I do? Just be accountable and just say, okay.
0: So now you see why we have arguments all the time, because my background is completely different in my household. We had family caucuses and family discussions where my parents sat us down and told us everything we was doing wrong all the time.
1: Never happened with me.
0: Your whole life, your parents never sat you down and said you're not I doing this right.
1: No, I can't. I cannot recall my parents sitting down with like me, my brother, and my sister. Bro, this was like early a, on growing up. Now we do that often, but early on, never happened.
0: This was like a weekly thing in my house. It no. was like every Friday or every time it's we time to clean up something. My mother would come down never. and just. Read everybody the riot act. And then my father would, you know, you heard what your mother said. So I was used to that's that's the type of communication I'm used to. I'm also used to having my being able to express my opinion because my parents used to allow us to say our piece. So take that on top of the fact that I've been an athlete. I did martial arts for five years, then I was playing basketball, then football, then college, then in the NFL, right? In those environments, They literally put you down in front of a TV and point out all of your mistakes and you can't say anything like they don't want to hear excuses. They just want to. This is what you did wrong. They don't want to hear why you did it. They just want you to correct it. That's become what I'm used to. I'm used to communicating with people like that, Mm -hmm. like I'm used to being able to be because that in my mind made me. The person I am today, right. like,
1: and has lost you a lot of friends. Yeah, it's lost me a of lot of your, friends. Your but your directness, but a lot of people can't handle that if they're not accustomed to it. Not saying you were wrong. Very true. But it might have been in your delivery. It
0: did. It did lose me a lot of friends. I mm-hmm. will say that. But um, to be honest, I don't value friendships where I can't be transparent. If, if our friendships is are dependent upon me telling you what you want to hear, as opposed to me telling you something then that's going to make you me. better, then we're not going to be friends because we're going to be right. moving in two different directions. Right. But so, I said that
1: to say some people are sensitive to the way things are delivered or the way no, absolutely. Are I are on the street. You
0: know what I mean? I get it. And yeah. and that's why Kadena and I have like arguments. Or when you see us and we're talking about something, it can go left. Like the beginning of this podcast to her was going left because I was just pointing out what I saw was wrong. And then she felt like I was attacking her or I was blaming her. When I'm like, I'm not blaming you. I'm just telling you what I saw. But if you felt like blame, I mean, it is what it is. Because in my mind, when I did something wrong on the football field, and I'll I'll be honest, you could be running a route, and the coach would say, run a hitch. The hitch is supposed to be seven yards. You turn around, catch the ball. You run your hitch. You turn around. The ball don't come. Coach say, what happened? You didn't get your depth. The depth is the yardage. And you're like, coach, I got my depth. I got my depth. You two arguing. This is happening to me. You and the coach arguing on the field. He says, fine. Wait till we see it on film then you get to watch the film and you see that you only went five yards. And now you feel like an asshole because you out there... Because the valve's always right. No, but I've learned, (laughs) learned though, that when you think you're right because you see things from your perspective, the eye in the sky don't lie. So when you get to see yourself from someone else's perspective and you're like, damn, I didn't even go seven yards, you learn how to shut up and just take the criticism. And that's when it comes to us. When you want to point out something to me, I'll be like, all right, all right, I got it. But then when I try to point out something for you, you want to give me all the reasons why you did it that way. And all I'm trying to say is you giving me reasons why you did it that way, don't change the fact that what you did hurt me. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And to me, that's the accountability. You can give me a thousand reasons why you did it that way, still hurt me. Mm -hmm. Do you plan on changing the way you did it because it hurt me or you just be like, I did it that way because... And then we're going to continue to do it that way because that's the way I do it. And right. I think that's and that's where we differ a lot. Where we differ. Because, yeah, because, because if you did something to
1: hurt me, I want to know why. Like, what was your mindset there? Whereas you don't care about the mindset. You're just like, well, I'm hurt. So that's it, you know.
0: Well, no, but I'm going to change the behavior. If you say oh, to yeah, me, if you course. say to me, devalue Moving forward. Yeah, moving forward. And that's that's always been my thing. Yeah. If How you said to me, this? right, if you said to me, devalue, you did X, Y, Z. You know what I'm going to do? All right. All right. You don't like that. I'm not going to give you a bunch of excuses and reasons why I did it. Clearly, you don't like that. Let me just see if I can maneuver to do it in a way where you find it accepting mm-hmm. or we can meet on the same page. And and that's just approach. That's your family traumas, my family traumas, your upbringing, mm-hmm. my upbringing. And to this day, we still have arguments. That's a fact. Because...
1: Can we bring in my expert now? Because <laughs> you, this is like... This is like, man, this is a lot. So I feel like we need to talk to somebody, though. Let's talk to somebody and see if they can give us some advice on this.
0: If that's what you want to do, baby. <laughs> see how I go to the husband voice? You was, lo- you was that's long-winded,
1: you y'all. This is going to be a long episode. I was long-winded this one? Yes, you were. You wasn't talking? Yes, you were. You, was, you, you was, wasn't talking? You was going in. Like, Let me ask you, Kadeen, about it. No, let's leave it to the therapist who we got on here today. The so eye today, in the sky
0: don't lie. Y'all go back and see who was talking. And then y'all let Kadeem know. Head over to the expert. I, I've been
1: trying to get to Delena for mad long now. Delena, I hope you still there, sis. You there, sis? All right. So today we brought Delena Zimmerman on to help us understand what exactly is this thing called accountability and to help us better approach it in all spe- aspects of our life and relationship. Yes. So Delena Zimmerman. Hello, Delena, How are you? Hi.
2: I'm great. Right,
1: Thank me, you. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell our people a little bit about you. So Delena Zimmerman is a trauma recovery coach, a motivational speaker and mm-hmm. a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's also a television personality, best known for her psychotherapy cameos on VH1's Basketball Wives of LA. As a motivational speaker, Delena brings more than 20 years of experience and tools engaging audiences locally, nationally, and internationally. You got quite the resume, Miss Bing? Yes, 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 <laughs> <You> like that? <laughs> I like yes, that. Yes. So how are you today, first and foremost? How's everything been so far? 2021 shaping out all right for you so far?
2: It's good. It's challenged me to stretch and grow. Um, I'm not always knowing what obstacles it is. I have to leap, and who does, right? What oh, obstacles do you have to leap, right, in order to go to the next level. Twenty twenty got me ready, but twenty twenty one, I'm I'm moving now, I'm in action. So good, I'm excited.
0: Good. That's great to hear. Delena, it's um it's glad I'm I'm glad to have you on because Kadeen and I have built uh pretty much built a platform on being transparent with each other. And the one thing I've learned about being transparent with my wife in the public eye is how uncomfortable transparency between two peoples make the rest of the world. Um, But I I will have to say this, that Kadena and I were able to become more transparent with each other when we started to understand each other's family dynamic. Her nuclear family she grew up in and my my nuclear family and I grew up in and I started to realize my flaws and the issues I've had with communication because I thought the way that my family communicated was the only way someone can communicate. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, understanding your own personal family trauma and what you bring to a relationship when you don't deal with that trauma?
2: Oh, wow. That's a beautiful question. And I'm so glad you asked it. Um, Many people get into relationships in the delusion that they're going to meet someone who's going to meet their needs and Mm. their emotional needs, you know, Mm. and nobody got out of their family system unscathed. No one did. You know, like Mm. everyone was um, has some residue of their experience with their parents or with the sibling system. And, um and unless those things are addressed, then partners believe that the other partner is responsible to make them feel whole in the areas that they don't feel whole. And so it, it it is a lie that really love songs told us this lie. they told us that you know you would need someone to meet your all your needs. Disney told us that but the work has to happen on the inside and since we're talking about accountability, individuals are responsible for their individual healing. And so you can bring a whole self to a relationship and then you can participate in the relationship, you know, with less um, danger because everyone's looking for safety.
0: So I have a question. Mm-hmm. How, how? What is the easiest way, and I try to say easiest way because a lot of people are taken back by our approach where we just pretty much tell each other how it is. What is the easiest way to tell our listeners to... Talk to their partner about dealing with their own family traumas before trying to come into a relationship. Because that's, that was something, could, I would say the first five years of our marriage, we were like at odds. Because she dealt with things her way and I dealt with things my way. She thought she was right. I thought I was right. And we mm-hmm. both were wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it got to a point where we just like, you know what, F it. You know, I don't like the way you do this because your family and I started calling out her family. She started calling out my family and it worked for us, but that don't work for everybody. So what's an easy way or a, a healthy way to speak to your partner about dealing with their family trauma? Um,
2: first of all, you have to first admit that we're just humans. Nobody knows what they're doing. You know, we're raising. You guys are raising kids. Like every day this is, is an experiment, time. right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> every single day is an experiment, and and what happened last Tuesday is not going to happen this Tuesday. And so, what I think is important in a relationship is to agree that we're just humans, right? And that it that takes the ego out of it. That I, I really don't. I've never done this before. I've never been this age before. I've never had these responsibilities before. I've never been this person before. And so, to answer your question specifically. I think it's important for couples to understand that relationships need room, room, space mm. for you to grow and develop and learn from your mistakes. And if we're in a relationship, that means that your real promise to me is that you're going to work it out with me while I make my mistakes in front of you, while I grow up in front of you, while I become in front of you. And if there ain't no room for that, right. the relationship right. ain't going to make
1: Yeah, Yeah. you need space along with the grace to go with it. You know what I mean?
0: To me, it just sounds so cliche and simple. Simple. That when you say that, but then people always have a retort to that. I ain't giving nobody grace. I'm not letting nobody cheat on me. I ain't letting nobody walk all over. I ain't letting nobody talk to me. Oh, how? And it's like no one's telling you to let anybody do anything but giving someone grace what exactly is well, giving someone healthy grace ahead, I babe. think
1: we should take it back to the first to the topic which is accountability mm. and what is the difference Delena between someone being blamed for something and then accountability oh, because I think one. that's like where it that's starts. You know, you can't be held accountable a, until like you said you admit or you're aware there's a self-awareness that there is something that's wrong per se or something that needs to be um, addressed. True. True. So how do we know when we're blaming someone versus just requesting that they take be accountability?
2: Ability? Mm. Um, so a lot of the family system comes with blame. I know that's how it is culturally. You know, the, the vase gets broke, who broke it, right? And then it has to be blame and punishment. So we come from a pattern of that, blame and punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if we just look at our history, it's just, that's what happens. Somebody has to take responsibility. There has to be justice, per se, in the relationship. I come from a a, a stance, or I believe deeply that our problems, my problem, your problem begins and ends with you. So if you're cheating, we need to look at that. Like there's no way we can't look at that something that needs to be resolved in you. I'm not responsible for your cheating. You're responsible for your cheating. If if it's a deal breaker for me, if you're outside of the agreements of our relationship, then we need to look at the accountability to our agreements. So that's the difference between blaming and taking accountability. Relationships should have agreements. We should agree, but what are the what are the um, what's the circumference of our relationship? What is included in mm-hmm. our relationship? One of the agreements you have is transparency. So when you're outside of that, then you have to have accountability for what you've agreed to. But well, mostly people don't know to have agreements in relationships. They just get in pretending they know what to do and hopefully the other person does too. And if you break what is a rule that everybody knows or you break my family constitution, or the sins that I hold against people, then I begin to blame you for how I feel. But you're not responsible for how I feel. I'm responsible for how I feel. Because I feel from the filter, from the perspective of my life. If I've been a victim all my life, then I'll be a victim in this relationship.
0: Wow. Ah, so, so one thing that kadine and I struggle with till this day is, even outside of just our family units and our sibling structure, right? I was a, a Division I athlete and a professional athlete. They mm-hmm. held you accountable by putting you in front of a camera and pointing out all of your flaws. So I became mm-hmm. comfortable with that. So when I sit down to talk to Kay sometimes, I, that's the only way I know how to point out accountability is to say babe you did this wrong right. and for her she feels like well you're it's always like, blaming me
1: or you're always like nitpicking like there's a laundry list of things that he down right. like he's giving me specifics which specifics help because sometimes you'll just say well you don't do this and then I'll retort with well when when you know give me a, a specific scenario right so you know?
0: so my, my question is is there a healthy and unhealthy way to hold your partner accountable and what are some tools people can take home to say, you know what, I want to hold my partner accountable, but I don't want her or him to feel blamed, and I don't want to feel like I'm attacking them, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so the point I made in, in the last question was about so if 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 your partner's sensitive from their childhood experience, right? So in my relationship, I'm an only child, and my partner's is uh, comes from um, a family of seven. So he has mm. tougher skin than I, right? Mm. So he says things in a way that make me feel uncomfortable. But the truth is he doesn't make me feel anything. I bring that predisposition to sensitivity to the relationship. And he brings a tougher thing to the relationship.
0: We're not yeah. making
2: hey. each other anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, yeah. I That's how I process and experience conflict. That's how I process and experience, right? When someone brings me something that is a a constructive criticism, right? So the relationship, again, has to have space for, honey, I'd like to talk to you about um, how we're handling the dishes. And then there can be a conversation about how we're handling the dishes. I need the spoons to be up, not down, because they get spots on them. And it seems like something minor, but you can say, The dishes, I mean, the spoon is down again. Then I feel not good enough in the relationship because I've made an error, but I bring that to the relationship. That's not new to you. You don't place it in me. So you're not responsible for it. The point I'm trying to make is you're not responsible for it. You didn't put that in me. And when I feel it, I want you to stick your hand down my throat and turn the switch so I can stop feeling it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's you know why that's, that makes, yes. I'm going to tell you why that's, that's so crystal clear so to me, right? Sense. I've been trained and nurtured as a young man to not feel, you know, I've been, you fall, get up, don't cry. Being the first born in my family, my parents were always on me and I couldn't respond with an emotional response because that was not acceptable as a young man then being an athlete they going to tell you and curse you out call you all sorts of names, do not respond listen to what i'm saying be accountable and fix it but as a young woman Kadeem was raised differently she was yeah. raised to you know be emo- emotional and um have emotional uh i will, that's emotional clarity or what what's the word i'm thinking of where um, you're allowed to have emotional responses and be aware of how you feel. Right, like that she's was always, that was, it was encouraged in her as a young lady. Yeah. So sometimes mm-hmm. when I say things to her, I don't understand how she could feel a way about me saying something simple. Because when it's said to me the same way, it doesn't make me feel that way. Yeah, and that's where we totally were different. we were struggling because I literally was like, I don't understand how me saying this to you made you feel that way. When if you say the exact same thing to me, I'm able to process it and it doesn't hurt. But when you explain it that, that way, way. Yep. she comes with that. I come with this. So nobody made me feel like this. It makes sense. But it really does make sense.
1: Thing, yeah, I, I totally get that. And it makes so much sense, Delena. But I, at one point, do we as adults stop leaning on or blaming how we were raised, generational traumas, um, things like that. At what point, like, of course we know that makes us as a person, but at what point do we as an adult say, you know what? I understand that I was raised this way or this is what I'm accustomed to, but then how do I break free of that because I know better? Do you see that people are able to easily do that or no?
2: No, (laughs) Um, it's Mm. important to know. You know, it's important to know, which means that you can take responsibility for yourself, right? And to practice something different, learning how to metabolize your emotions is being accountable, right? That That's self-accountability. Mm-hmm. I have this emotion. I feel it in my stomach. And whenever I feel that feeling in my stomach, I act the same way. The same way I acted at eight when I felt it in my stomach. I act the same way I acted at 12 when I feel that same feeling in my stomach, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I have to take accountability for that. And so I don't have to blame my trauma, but I have to recognize that I've been shaped in a particular way. So if, I, I, if my childhood shaped me in a triangle, I can't expect to be a circle if that makes sense. I'm a triangle and I have sharp edges. And so I need to honor that about myself and I need to make room so if I feel triggered Right. I don't continue in the argument. We have agreements in our relationship, in our conflict where I say, you know what, I'm feeling triggered, honey, give me a little bit. Let's step away from this conversation for a while, because I want to be responsible in the relationship. That's accountability, (laughs) emotional responsibility. Mm
0: -hmm. See, that that makes sense. But but it makes me wonder, though, how do you raise your children to be emotionally intelligent, so that they're not they don't put themselves in the box of just being a triangle or a circle. Like I feel like so our families- To making them emotionally
1: malleable to right. others.
0: Is that even possible to to make to to, I to think raise so. your children? Yeah, how? I think
2: so. You give give your children language around feelings. Teach them how to say how they feel. Give them space to feel that it's safe. They need to feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. You have to be the safe place for them to emote. Like you said, you know, Kadeem, that, that, well, Develle, that you didn't have safety to emote. You were told it wasn't okay. So if you have sons, then it's important for them to know that it's not weak to say, you know, I'm afraid to, before the game. It's okay to say I have jitters. It's okay to say that. And still run and get you some touchdowns, but it's okay to say, you know, um, I'm concerned about my relationships at school. They need to be able to say that to you because I really believe that is the the breaking down and development from age 5 to 12. That's where the inferiority complex is built in children. The inferiority Mm -hmm. slash superiority complex is built in children. So if they don't have a safe place in relationships where they feel competent emotionally, that's where the trauma occurs developmentally. It manifests itself in adult relationships.
1: Wow. That's so exactly what more we're years dealing with. With Jackson. I know. <laughs> but I think we've been doing a great job because, Delena, we've been dealing with this. We have three boys. Our oldest, Jackson, who's 10. We've been dealing with this recently with him having like performance anxiety or little yeah. things like that. So, Deval has been trying to, and, and me as well, we've been trying to make sure that he's vocal about the way he feels and he doesn't bottle it up because he's a total empath. He totally like takes people's emotions and everything on him. So, in that, we want him to be expressive. So, I right. think we've been. Trying to work on that with um, him. I've
0: been trying to find a balance. More than lately. Um, I've been spending a lot more time with him. Like, he and I do a lot more one-on-one stuff. And um, it's a thing where, you know, I can tell when he's getting nervous. And I say, bro, you nervous, right? And he'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, you know that's okay. Like, it's okay to be nervous. I I used to be nervous. And I see him light up. And he's like, okay, so I'm nervous, so what do I do? I say, the way you work through your nervousness is you continue practicing while nervous, and that muscle movement becomes muscle memory, and you'll be able to recall on it even when you're nervous and you can still perform. And I've watched him, like, grow in doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But I also was f- in fearful of being a crutch in that if he doesn't have his dad before a game, will he learn how to do that on his own? Yeah, the channel, and, um, right? i And I've, I've been trying to yes, work out a lot. Yes, he, he will. will. Okay, I, this this gives <laughs> uh-huh. me hope because I, I um, you know, he's ten, so you don't want to put too much pressure yeah. on a ten-year-old. But I also want him to be great in anything. I don't care if it's sports, I don't care if it's acting or being a CEO. I just want him to be great, but also be emotionally intelligent. So when he deals with with a woman, and and he's able to notice what she's going through and be able mm-hmm. to be uh, sensitive, but also aware. respect his own boundaries and be aware. So that yeah. he's like, I don't have to take everything that comes. With this. And that's what Kadeen and I have learned I, over the last five years. I've learned. Um, I, used to, I say this to Kadeen all the time when we argue. Delena, I say, you know, you live in an alternate universe. And she <laughs> And I always hates... say, and
1: you love it here, Deval. Because you have many times <laughs> to leave this universe on a whole time. spaceship out of here. But you here. So that being said. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is true. That
0: is true. That is true. But what you said made me realize that um, it doesn't matter what I say how I say it, how loud I say it, how quiet I say it. She's going to receive it and feel the way she feels because mm-hmm. of what she's been through. So I also can't get on myself about how she... I just have to learn and make a decision of whether I want to be here or not, which I do all the time. So And
1: Delena, I think for me, um, one word you mentioned earlier on that I rings true is um, the ego word. So mm-hmm. in dealing with accountability, blaming, punishment, that whole system leaving the ego out of it. And I think the harder part for me was the admittance. Is is that a word? Me admitting that Mm. (laughs) maybe there was a deficit. Maybe I did do something wrong. Maybe I was lacking something. And it was hard for me because being a person who was always striving to just be perfect and to be liked because I was also raised, you know, you want people to like you. You want people to, you know, enjoy your company. So in being like that, um, and having that ego, I had to learn how to put the ego aside to then say, okay, I can now get that accountability accountability going and not be as defensive. He always was just like, you're so defensive, you're so defensive. And he's like, why can't you just hold yourself accountable? And it sounds easy, but for me, it was me having to admit that there was a deficit somewhere, somewhere there. Yeah. So for somebody who's like me that may not know how to put that ego aside, um, how do you think they should approach being able to be aware that they need to be accountable?
2: Um, We have a responsibility in relationships, period. Like, that's what makes them so hard is that I have to take ownership of my role, my position in the relationship. Like, I have to. And that feeling of, it's really, I've named the feeling not being good enough you know mm-hmm. from age five to 12 is where that inferiority complex is like like mm. built you t- you hit that you hit that button you you touch that and i hate that feeling of not feeling good enough so i become defensive or i become right. afraid
0: that she won't love you just me. described you just described my wife like to a t yes like literally described and her i to can a accept
1: tea. that in no, my
0: old
2: age okay <laughs> <laughs> So, in the acceptance of it, right? What you said, in the acceptance of it, so every time it comes up, I know that's mine. I gotta breathe through that. I gotta I feel the feeling, the feeling's not gonna kill me, it never has. So I have to learn how to breathe, breathe and almost oxygenate those chemicals that have been released in my body that have that strong feeling in my stomach. I'm responsible for it. Hmm. And then when I can get back to my logical mind, because I get hijacked by that feeling. It, it always hijacks me. So when I can get back to my logical mind, then I can say, Thank you, honey, for pointing that out in me. I want to be the best wife I can be. And oh, I felt it in my stomach. You know, it's okay mm. to say that since you all are transparent with each other. You know, I yeah. felt that in my stomach, right? But I understand that I, I want to be this version in this marriage. I want to be this version. I want I to, thank you for not letting me stay in a weakness. That's, accountability as well to each other but with from a place of love I love
1: that no
0: I love that I love that too because um you've given you've you've given me I don't want to say a tool but you've given me some awareness to see when I just need to stop saying what I'm saying and let her process what's going on because it doesn't matter how I say it or what because we've had arguments before where you know the old adage is it's not what you say it's how you say it so I've yes. tried that. I've tried to be, you know, quiet and be like, hey, babe, I just want to point out that. And then I get this big response back. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I, all, I was and just I can trying. Easily,
1: and to me, it almost comes across as if he's patronizing me. I'm like, why are you coming over to me whispering? I get you're trying to do this approach thing. But at right. the same time, it sounds like you're patronizing me. <laughs> but you at know? least
0: but at least I know now I'm aware yeah. to say, you know what? It doesn't matter how I say this. Right. It's going to hit her because... She's afraid of that accountability thing, so let me let her process that, and she can go through her, her way of processing it, and then come back when she's available. At least that gives me some, yeah, some you know some ways to, to work on that. But I think we um, both
1: have like grown out of whatever we were conditioned to, and to an extent, you know, with our families and stuff like that. We're able to now know how to communicate as a couple because I can't always blame how I was raised. I just kind of feel like that's, that's me using a crutch at this point. Like, well, that's not the way I was raised. You know, me being at the point I am in my life with you um, and us being this far into our relationship, we're going on almost 19 years, Delena. So we've had to learn how to be emotionally malleable at this point with
0: each other. No, absolutely. But you know, what what I've heard from a lot of, a lot of men and older men in my community, I've heard this a lot is that women don't like to be accountable. Right. It's like they're just emotional. They don't think logically. Remember, you say get back to the logical mind. They don't think logically where I've I've actually found the opposite, especially in this day and age with women who have who've had to exist in corporate America. A lot more women are athletes now. I've actually found the opposite. But I have found that I can I find that in women who do exist in a corporate culture and who do exist in athletes and women who don't typically are a little bit more. um like a little bit more fearful of accountability because they feel attacked. But I also understand where that comes from in the patriarchy. There's women who are held to a standard where you have to be this to be considered good enough to be a mate. And I, I get where that comes from. And my, my question is, as a man raising sons, right, How in this dating process, because we have a lot of listeners who date, and how do I teach my sons to be aware of those flaws or, or the things they find in women or, or how to... Not only be malleable emotionally, but accept people in their, their flaws as dating. Because a lot of people nowadays, if you're not exactly what I want on the first or second date, they're moving on. But you can't build anything like that. No. You know what okay. I'm saying? So how do I teach my sons to be, to be aware of the stuff they're looking for like emotionally in people?
2: I'll tell you what. You teach your sons every day. They won't do what you say. They're going to do what they see. I want to tell you that now. Our mother okay. used to say to me, don't do as I right. Don't do as I do do as I say. And it was impossible. I could only become yeah. what she was. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would just want to yeah. say that. So we're talking about the family system. Remember, you are one. So your mm-hmm. sons are going to treat women the way they see you treat your wife. And they're going to love women based on the relationship that they have with their mother. Now, I know we're in this. Drive-through world now, and everything's a swipe right, to the left, right. a swipe to the right. I get it. There's a reservoir of human beings now. You know, I, I got it. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes a very murky reservoir. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's <laughs> very interesting how um, things have been kind of. I don't know. I don't like it's watered down, but I get it. Okay. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, your sons. I felt deeply about what I'm about to say. I feel that young men are not taught the responsibility they have to be a man just to have a penis. I agree. It's, yeah. it's like a very, it, it's such a responsibility because if you don't know the power that's in your hand, you won't treat it effectively. You won't be responsible with it. You'll weaponize yourself uh, You and, and, and women suffer at the end of the irresponsible man. Now, I know we could say a whole lot about women, but understand if the man is not in the home, the man is not in the home, right? Then the mother is forced to try to raise a daughter and try to raise a son. But if the man is in the home, then we have a more balanced and intact experience. Does that make sense? Makes oh, sense. Yes. If the man is missing, and we know our history where the man is missing, and you have an imbalance in the development of children, period. Okay, so think your son has your sons, like my children, know my son knows that girls who didn't grow up in a particular environment or who present in a particular way potentially have this foundation. And you have to decide if that's what you want to invest in or do you want to invest in something that's more principled. So I would encourage you to teach your sons to see women as humans and powerful and precious, and potentially your wife or your daughter, there are someone's daughter, you know what I mean? So that they're careful with them and that they see into the humanity of them and not just the exterior of them, right? You can teach them that that body's gonna change, right? That mm-hmm. everything's gonna change, but if the inside of them, if they are lovable, Right? If they are peaceful people, if they are willing to grow and change and evolve, that's that's how that's the type of woman that you want to engage in. That's who you want to grow with. But if you don't take time to get to know that, then you are just looking for an exterior thing that is temporary and it's going to change. I also want to add spiritual people who have a, a basis or a belief that they belong, right, right to the bigger picture or to God. Uh, or to the creator, or to the universe, they evolve better, they evolve stronger, they have faith for the future, and you can build with that
0: for sure. Well, you know what, I struggle with too is um, even uh, we don't have a daughter yet. I'm I always I put out there that I'm pushing yet. to one day have a fourth, have <laughs> a fourth child, this, this have daughter. a fourth child, and, and have a have a daughter, but I do struggle with how to raise a daughter in this world where, like you said. There is a purpose and the privilege of being a man and having a penis, right? But also understanding that men have been discarded in this current climate. Everything that you do that's masculine, even though you'll say be a man, everything a man does that's masculine, they call it toxic. So if you're raising a, a young girl, what type of person do you you raise her to be as far as accepting a man in her life and understanding the privileges that men have, but also saying you also have to let a man be a man because men are needed in the homes. It's almost like messages are opposite. You know, we need men in the homes, we need men to be men, but then when a man tries to be a man, it's like everything you do that's masculine is toxic. So it's like like where where's the where's balance? The where's the happy medium? Because mm-hmm. we we even see it with Kadine and I. If I we will hear women will say all the time, you know, men need to pay, you know pay the bills, protect, provide, da da da. So I we had a podcast where I talked about what my responsibilities, and I said that I love to provide and protect. And some women took it as, oh, he's sexist. He does because I said I don't want Kadeem to pay right or they bills. took took it
1: as me being submissive being to him, su- right? And uh, he was just like, I just thought that that was my role. That's as a man, as a man, like you that's know?
0: what I do as a man. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of difficult in this day and age to find these. You know, find where exactly what is toxic, what's not toxic when it comes to masculinity. What is mm-hmm. acceptable or not acceptable from a woman, you know, being with a man. So, my question is: Having a daughter, if we have a daughter, I'm praying on it, right?
1: Amen. He's done it for me, Delena. I, I hear it.
0: As much responsibility as we have to put on men, right? What tips do you have for me in in having a daughter? Wow. To raise a daughter that's, you know.
2: I know that this answer is gonna be censored. I just wanna say that now, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going to um, be as honest as I can about this. I have a daughter, okay, she's okay. Um, and she's 17. And the definitions are changing, it seems right. like to me, like I am frustrated with it. And um, so you talked about that that corporate America woman, right? she mm-hmm. has this psychological independence mm-hmm. and um, she really is a man so mm-hmm. I, I agree uh, I, I, she I, is a I man. absolutely agree mm-hmm. and she gonna struggle in a relationship with a man mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. okay um so the idea about submission and I had to learn this myself. Um, submission is submitting to myself as a woman. So that's what I teach to my daughter. You submit to yourself as a woman, but you have to understand what it is to be a woman and what your feminine energy is and what power is in that and not give Mm -hmm. it up and retard it or a role as a man. We're often in our masculine energy because we're producing. I'm always producing. I'm working all day. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the flow. I'm logical. I'm, you know, doing this all day. Right. When I'm with my man, I need to be in my feminine energy. I need to be yes. uh, soft and I need to be kind and I need to be nurturing. I need to be a place of peace. And so I have to understand that that mm-hmm. is what makes me so powerful that I have yes. the ability to be that, right? The safe place for him as he has been in the world being his black face and his powerful self, right? And 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 his male energy, Where do, where's his peace? If it's not with me, if I'm not the holder of the hearts, I have to be the holder of the hearts. You have to hold all those hearts, all those men's hearts in your family. You have to be the yes. holder of it. And that's the responsibility to a woman. I, I hear my daughter, she has a brother. So I hear her talking crazy to him. Right. And so no. I say, I, after that, I come here and I say, babe, I need you to develop. I need you to break that habit. Where did she learn it? I, where did I learn it?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. I asked my daughter to. Change and practice that tone of voice, like break that because you are not going to be able to be effective in your relationship for the long haul with your husband. He can't respond effectively to that tone of voice. Mm.
0: You see that and that's I think is what's triggering to women, especially existing in a patriarchy where they feel like they have to submit themselves to a man in order to exist. But to me, I think it's the contrary because I think me, we as men have to be accountable to say your wife or the woman you're dating is not going to be able to respond if you approach her with a level of, of being insensitive or a level of condescension or feeling like you're superior. I feel like both have, and we talk about this all the time, being accountable for ourselves to serve each other. So it's not just about a woman serving a man. It's also about me as a man serving my woman. You know what I'm saying? And I, we hear it all the time. Anytime I post anything about serving my wife, men call me a simp. Anytime she posts mm-hmm. anything about serving me, women say she's too submissive. That's but for the unconsciousness.
2: Me, I'm like, so it's just unconscious. Right. I don't, exactly. <laughs> My thing is, like you
1: said, I want to be the place that he comes to, to decompress yes. and to be, you know, being a black man, especially in this world today, and we're raising three black sons. I need to be that safe haven of peace for them to be able to
2: let go if we, of the entire world, you know. If we're not that for each other, then what are we doing, roomating and having sex? Like otherwise, what is this?
0: But yeah. that, but that's that's exactly what people think relationships are. I know. I'm so su- I'm I'm never supposed to submit. She's never supposed to submit. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to get everything I want from her, and I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to. I'm not supposed to sacrifice anything. She's supposed to do the same thing, and we're supposed to live happily ever after. Absolutely. When not. the married people who have been in successful marriages know. That it's not possible, and then there's buzzwords that trigger people to be like, "That's why I'll never be in a relationship because I'm never going to submit or I'm never going to sacrifice. Why I got to sacrifice what I want to make him feel better? Why I got to sacrifice what I want to make her feel better? That's what a relationship is, <laughs> and it's being accountable. Yeah, like it, like me as a man. That's one thing I will tell you, Delana. I had to learn to be accountable to myself, to stop being selfish, stop with my ego. And listen, I had to learn that. And I had to learn to accept that people are going to view me as less than a masculine man because I'm working to serve my wife. And I, to be honest, my, my relationship and I got happier when I did that. I was accountable to knew what it was going to be because at this point I'm not serving all the other people in my marriage. I'm not serving what their expectations are of me. I'm serving this woman.
1: Absolutely. Right. And, and for and, me it was a lot of unlearning of things that I thought needed to exist in a relationship thought needed to happen in a relationship, looking at relationships around me and saying, Oh, yeah. I don't want to be like them or them over there. And not so much. I had to unlearn a lot to then be able to be more tuned into my husband and just realize like at the end of the day, we have to lay next to each other at night. Forget what everybody else says. Like literally, literally had to come down to for us to then say, you know, we got this.
0: Uh, Delana you're you're, you're a dope Delana because I've learned some things today especially I've learned you know at least how we communicate and also understanding that it's not what I say or how I say it's understanding how she's going to receive it regardless Mm -hmm. of what the message is that's one thing I have never thought about until today yeah so thank you Delaina, like. Yes. It was you. such a
1: pleasure chatting with you. I feel like we should have you back on a future episode. I'm oh, sure no, there's we definitely, so many yes. other things <laughs> based on your resume and things that we've scratched the surface with you that we can always talk about some more. So we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much for your time today. Well,
0: tell, tell everybody where they can find you, your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, websites, all, websites. all that.
2: My Instagram is at Delana Zimmerman Therapy. And I have a website also where you can look at my services, uh, DelainaZimmermanTherapy.com.
0: Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why Black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that Black people are not a monolithic people.
1: That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truth.
0: Black Stories, Black Truth is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. all year long.
1: That's right, y'all. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart.
0: That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.
1: All right, so we decided to keep Delena around for our listener letter segment because, you know, I like to be nosy and be in all y'all business. But <laughs> I figured once we have an expert yes. in the house today, we might as well lean on her expertise and see yes. if she can give us some coins, some 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 gems right now, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and read um, the first one, Delena, for you. Okay. And this is from a listener that says, I'm a huge fan of both of you, and you guys are truly an inspiration. Thank you. I'm writing you guys for advice, Even if you don't mention it on your podcast, I would just love to have your honest feedback. I've been with my boyfriend going on eight years. We have a four-year-old daughter. I just recently found out my boyfriend has been cheating on me for two years with a girl from his job. He never Mm. told me she did when he finally decided to end things with her. He stated... That there was reasons for him cheating, such as the lack of sex, me not cooking as much, not asking him how his day was, and simply just showing concern. At that time, we had just moved into an apartment together, our daughter was one, and I was trying to balance everything. Most importantly, he wasn't helping me around the house, giving me the attention or companionship. I felt like things were being forced." I have never cheated on this man and I'm truly heartbroken from this situation. He told me pieces of the story, but I feel like he doesn't want to tell me everything. Even though I asked him to be, to tell me the whole truth just to assist in my healing process. What advice can you guys give me on moving forward?
2: Ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That work love is something else. Um, (laughs)
0: <laughs> we we get listen to letters like this all, all the, the time, time. delana it's like yeah. it's like the same story in every relationship mm-hmm.
2: so if we listen to the story and it fits right into the things that we've talked about today and it's that neither one of them knew their responsibility in the relationship even though they had been in the relationship and were mm-hmm. making babies right so mm-hmm. um she was overwhelmed um and he wasn't supportive That's, you know, the the way she presents it. What I want to talk about in in infidelity is that it is not her fault that he had this relationship with the other woman. It is how he works out his insecurity, his inferiority complex within himself. So it's okay to not feel that you're getting what you need in a relationship. That's fine. But to work that out outside of the relationship where you can get validation is his problem. It is not an indication of her not being good enough in the relationship. It's him not feeling good enough. So him seeking outside of himself, him being out of integrity, out of character, out of his promise, right, out of his commitment. That is something that he has to work out. I'm sure in the past, sex and attention has made him feel whole. That's why we have to be accountable Mm -hmm. for our own healing and our own wholeness, right? And our own self-actualization so that we don't have to get it from other people, not even our partners, right? We have to Mm -hmm. give it to ourselves and then, again, participate in the relationship with a healed or whole self or working on wholeness self. And so how she moves forward, if she continues, if she's going to stay in the relationship, he has to do his work. Like if she's going to stay in he has to maybe talk to a therapist about his um, need for validation and how he has sought it out in the past and how he is going to curb that currently. And if she's going to stay in a relationship, she has to take care of herself, just to love herself, develop a self-love practice so that she can look in the mirror and be in integrity with herself. Does that make sense? Mm, that does. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, It makes sense. Yeah. And
0: a lot of times... With these, com- with these scenarios, it's always the same thing. These two people, like you said, got into a relationship and there was no complete contract on what was decided on who was going to provide what or who was going to do what for whom. Mm-hmm. One person starts to lack because they feel overwhelmed. So they stop doing something. Yep. The other yeah. one stops doing. Then they, they're they no longer intimate with each other. Yeah. And then one person seeks outside forces to feel as if they wanted to, you know, they can feel whole again. Yeah. And and to be honest, when we look at these, it's not always a man and woman thing.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's, been, it's vice versa. It's, it's vice
0: versa. Sometimes, yeah. like, I've, I've, had, I've had a homeboy. I'm not going to out him at all. But his wife cheated on him. And he was just like, bro, you know what I'm saying? I, I provide. I do this. I do that. I go in and out of the house. I make sure we have everything. And she stepped out. And I said to him, being a man is accountable. I said, what were you not doing that she felt she had to step out? Right. And he was like, what do, you, what do you mean? I provide, I do, I said, okay, when's the last time you hugged your wife? When's the last time you've kissed your wife? When's the last time you've asked her what she wants to do and took her to do something she wants to do? And he was like, I was too busy trying to do all these other things. I said, yeah, you were doing all these other things that you wanted to do to feel like you were a man in the house and not doing anything that she needed. And she stepped out. Is she wrong for stepping out? Absolutely. And she stepped out for the exact reasons you said. Mm -hmm. She felt like she wanted to feel like someone wanted her again. She needed validation. She thought, and then she admitted to him, I thought you were cheating. So I cheated.
2: You know, what's powerful about it. You could step out or you could step in. Mm.
0: Ah, I like that. I like that. So instead of just
1: existing and allowing things to happen. I
0: like that.
2: Leaning
1: into the relationship. That's right. Lean
2: into it. This is what I need. This is what I'm Mm. hoping for. These are, can we make some agreements? Can we create a structure? Is the relationship more important than my individual concerns? If my individual's concerns become more important than the unity of the universe of the relationship, I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. But if I remember mm-hmm. that the relationship is important, more important than my individual need in the moment, because it's temporary, right? right? Then then I will lean into the relationship and, and I will be able to be influenced by you and I will be open, right? Hopefully you will be open to be influenced by me. She said <laughs> you
0: step out, you can step you out, can step
2: out or oh, you, you can, can step lean in.
0: in. I, like, I, I like that. You I can like step out that. and step in because yes. that's. That's literally what me and Kadeem decided to do because we both had our transgressions, and at that point it was like, okay, are we gonna go out this way or Mm -hmm. am I gonna focus more Mm -hmm. on this person right here? And ever since we decided to do that, things have been like, it's it's been it's been been up, up, it's, it's stuck wow that's, that's we, don't, right? we don't even have time for another listener Light, letter, right. but i honestly feel like the, the second listener letter would probably be the same thing <laughs> similar situation <A> similar situation <laughs> what your points were were so small you were going to say something go ahead delana
2: i was thinking about um something in that letter that that she asked um go ahead i, it? I don't know can you see kadeem what
1: she asked, um, "Was it a question she asked, or, or was it
0: him? Dis- him describing what was the what was wrong? Oh, she did had it?
1: wanted him to give details about everything that yes,
2: happened, that's it, that's it. She to, don't yeah, need the didn't. details. It's none of her business. It's, it's irrelevant.
0: Mm. It's, oh, I it's, think people need to hear that too I because think they're, a, to hear I like they're hearing
2: the details is torture. They're a glutton for punishment, and they're for looking punishment. for the the points where they were not good enough. Remember." everybody's inferiority complex was built between age five and right. 12. So right. she's looking for the mm. details of where she's not good enough because she thinks it's her fault that he did it.
1: Uh, so she feels like if she, if he tells the details, it's like, Oh, she did that. Shoot. I wasn't doing that. So there was uh-huh. a deficit there.
2: Ah, uh. No, the deficit See, was in him. That's mm-hmm. that's
0: important too. like you can hold your partner accountable mm-hmm. without having to punish them with all the details right. like that. Like to be honest, like you don't have to say, well, you you mm-hmm. weren't doing all of this. That's why I did this. No, let's let's hold ourselves accountable. Yes, I stepped out or yes, you stepped out. How do we get to that point? Mm. Because it's never a, a one person thing. It's always a collective thing for people Absolutely. to get Absolutely. to a point.
1: Yeah, a collective oh, it is. Of events. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: two and, and, people. And, and, yes.
2: Yeah it's always collective and and really each other are feeding off of each other's inferiority and sec- insecurity i have to develop security in myself i have to be a safe person emotionally and then i can be a safe person physically in the relationship i can come to you when i you know and, and when when i don't feel like we're in our roles i can come to you when i feel disconnected from you as opposed to finding connection in other places
0: she said, "That just no." She said, it up so "People are constantly of truth from uh, off of each, Yes, people are constantly feeding off of each other's insecurities mm-hmm. and looking to feed their own insecurities. And the minute their insecurity isn't fed, they just go elsewhere. Right. That seems like the dating process. Yeah, nowadays yeah. that that yeah. seems like the dating process. Yeah. I'm insecure about this. Let me find someone who's going to feed that aspect of me. And the minute they don't, I'm gone.
2: hmm. But no one is responsible. Yes. There is That's no. That's deep and it's so true. Know. But that that
0: sounded like me when we first were dating. We we just recently talked about this on an interview, and I talked about so many things that I was dating with my ego. I was dating with my ego and trying to feed myself because I, I wasn't sure about myself. Mm-hmm. And when we started dating, I was expecting Kay to do all these things to make me feel better. And every time she didn't mm-hmm. do it, I felt like, oh, she doesn't love me enough. Right.
1: Meanwhile, or, we were. You know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids who
2: <laughs> talk about knowing
1: oh, sure, somebody sure, else who sure. so didn't even know your damn self, you sure. know?
0: <laughs>
2: okay, so I want, I want to leave you with this. And this is earlier I stated that the world's love songs, Disney, have told us that someone's going to come into our life and going to meet our needs. But children who did not get their emotional needs met become adolescents who didn't get their emotional needs met, become adults that didn't get their emotional needs met. And I'm here to say that there is no other adult on the planet that has the assignment of meeting any adult's emotional needs. It is the individual's responsibility to meet their emotional needs. Now your physical needs and, you know, I need your help, honey, and you know, I need you to hug me, all these things, that's different. But your emotional needs must be met by you. There's no, the parenting is done in your life. You, if, you, if there's some weaknesses or if there's some breaking down in your emotional needs, you have to yourself effectively. That's accountability. And then you bring that version of yourself to a relationship. And the relationship will show you the new areas in which you need to heal. That's the purpose of relationships. They're going to mirror for you what you think and believe. And you take responsibility individually for the things that have come up because the relationship is more important.
0: Wow, she you really do a great job of articulating things that you feel Yes that you don't know how to say.
1: Well she's a whole last <laughs> therapist and so what let me scroll back up. To Motivational, the rest of the night. Speaker. <laughs> Motivational speaker. <laughs> I definitely feel a whole lot better and I didn't even know I had a problem coming what? in here. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> Delaina, oh, we my goodness. appreciate you so much and we know we have to let you go because uh, yeah, your time is, your time is, is, is up. up. But we thank you so much and we have to have you back yeah, on. Yeah, and was, we hope that people really like tune in
1: and listen to some of the advice that you've given yes. today. I think it's very sound advice for people who are aware that they do want to exist in a relationship because there are people who decide, that, you know what, relationships aren't for me and I respect that. At least yes. you know you want to be single and married. And in for the rest of your life, that's all good. But it's the people who aspire to be in a relationship or who are in relationships that I think will definitely get some, some really good, valuable um, information. So thank you again. Thank you for thank sitting you. with us thank and all the best. Okay. So if you'd like to be featured as our listener letter or one of our listener letters, email us at at gmail.com.
0: That's D E A D A S S A D V I C at gmail.com. All
1: right. Moment of truth time. I know what mine is.
0: Moment of truth. Moment of truth, first of all. I want to apologize publicly for screaming at you that day when me and Jackson walked in the house.
1: And I apologize for my frustration and raising my voice because like you said, sometimes I'm not aware of my tone. Um, but just so the record shows, I spoke to my son immediately after everything happened and we were able to reconcile and I was able to speak to him about how he felt about everything. And I made sure that he knew that I wasn't coming from a place of disappointment or a place of uh, being upset, but I was just more so concerned and me being his mom, I need to hold myself responsible too for putting him in situations where he could be at harm. That being said, my kids are never leaving the house ever again in life. (laughs) moment she,
0: of truth then she go back to mom mode <laughs> and nobody's
1: kids, coming over either
0: now can't nobody everybody want to
1: come over now that we moved, but no keep the same energy y'all kept when i lived in brooklyn for 10 years
0: she's gonna bubble wrap all the kids that
1: being said i will be <laughs> bubble wrapping them.
0: my moment of truth is this accountability of course starts with yourself right you got to be accountable and that's fine but you also have to know when you're in a relationship when you're trying to help your partner be accountable, that they have past traumas that may affect your message no matter how it's delivered. Mm. So it doesn't matter if I'm screaming. It doesn't matter if I'm talking softly. It doesn't matter if I'm being direct. If you have past traumas that's going to affect the way my message is delivered to you, you're always going to feel a way. And listening to Delena made me realize that that's valid. Like, you are entitled to feel that way. And my message is going to be what it is, and you're going to take it however you want to take it because you brought that with the the relationship. So my moment of truth is understanding that your partner is going to receive what it is you're giving to them, no matter how you say it. (laughs) (laughs) That's called... Feels like you
1: felt that to the core. I did. You You felt that to the core because I've tried
0: all the approaches and don't none of them work. No matter what I say, how (laughs) I say it, I always get the neck, the snap, all that. Okay.
1: Uh, I guess my moment of truth, um, kind of stemming from from yours, is not blaming or allowing the way I was raised or past generational traumas, for example to dictate how I exist in a space with you now in my relationship with other relationships that I exist in because I also too need to hold myself accountable and not place blame on other aspects of my life um, that may contribute to who I am now. So that being said, making sure that I say, (laughs) "Kadine, you may have been raised this way or you may have not been encouraged to do this as a child. However, you being a grown woman, should know that you owe it to yourself and the other party in this relationship to be accountable, to not always place blame, to be willing to be emotionally malleable as we've been saying today. <laughs> so that's part of it. And I still like this little term that, um, Delaina said, if you're on the verge of stepping out, step in, I like that, you know, step in, I lean like into that. those relationships more like so you can see, um, where there's not necessarily a deficit, but there's a way for you to be accountable. So that's that.
0: I like that. I appreciate your moment of truth. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Well, I feel like you're looking at me funny.
0: Be sure to find us on social media at Dead Ass to Podcast.
1: <laughs> Y'all know where to find me. Kadeen. I am. And you can find me in my house too. Cause she's not Cause going, I ain't nowhere. Never going nowhere.
0: I knew that was coming.
1: And and nobody coming either.
0: I'm going to let the kids out, though, because they need to breathe. They can't be in here with the two of us all the time.
1: In the backyard.
0: (laughs) I am DeVal, and if you're listening (laughs) on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. (laughs) Deadass. Deadass. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing.
1: Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
0: It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. One at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's a perfect time to try, like, and share black-led products. It's free for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black Lead products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.